Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. So what are you supposed to do between each Engadget podcast? Wait in silence? I'm Matt Smith, and every morning I walk through the day's biggest tech stories. It's short, relevant, and ready for listening whenever you wake up. Find Engadget Morning Edition wherever you find your podcasts, or ask your smart speaker for the latest news from Engadget. What's up, Internet, and welcome back to the Engadget Podcast. I'm Senior Editor Devendra Hardwar. I'm Deputy Editor Sherlyn Lowe. This week, we've got a lot of news from Microsoft Build, including, I think, some of the biggest news from Microsoft, uh, pretty much up there with the Bing AI announcement, Sherlyn. Microsoft announced that they're bringing AI to Windows 11 with this new product called Windows Copilot. We will talk about that and uh, you know everything that means for Windows. And we also have an interview with Microsoft Chief Product Officer Panos Panay, you may remember his name. He was the Surface guy for a very long time. Um, you know, whenever there's a Microsoft product event, he is there. He's the voice out there. And he's hardware, um, yeah. So he's hardware. Well, now he's like everything, you know, with so many things at Microsoft. So, yeah, sit tight for that chat as well. And we've got a whole bunch of news from Build and, uh, you know, other stuff. There's always other news. As always, folks, if you're enjoying the show, please be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. Leave us a review on iTunes. Drop us an email at podcastandgadget.com. You can also join us Thursday mornings, typically around 10.30 a.m. Eastern, on our YouTube channel for our live stream um, where you, know, you can see us record the show and sometimes we show off gadgets. We'll do Q&A. Sherlyn will talk about what what is bugging her lately. Like it's always a fun time. Come join I'm always us. being bugged by something. Yes. <laughs> that, that should be a segment on the show. What is annoying Sherlyn this week? But let's talk about, yeah, the big Microsoft stuff. Um, so we've been talking about AI all year and specifically around Microsoft. Sherlyn, you got to go to the, you know, the big launch for Bing AI. And since then... Um, it seems like Microsoft has just been pushing so many different forms of AI across all of its products. This week was Microsoft Build, which is their big developer conference. And at Build, surprisingly, not surprisingly, it's all about AI. It's AI right. everywhere. And the thing that they really um, want to stress is that um, I, I think the major consumer announcement was Windows Copilot, which is um, an AI assistant that's going to live in the Windows sidebar. It is very similar to the Office or the Microsoft 365 Copilot in Office apps or the Edge one as well. And actually at Build, Microsoft also announced that that Edge Copilot that you talked about, Sherlyn, um, is now the Microsoft 365 Copilot. So basically, they want to put AI everywhere, like a little bit of chat GPT in a sidebar for you to ask questions, for you to do things within these apps. And now you could do it within Windows and I have a whole piece about it. So first off, just go read that. And uh, some of my interview uh, with Panos is in there as well. Um, but Sherlyn, like you, when you heard about this news, I just want to know your first impressions, because I've been thinking about this for way too long. And I want some outsider perspective. Do you want AI in your windows? Okay, I have to admit, all I read so far were the headlines. So my first impressions are... It's something I've been stewing on for a little bit with all the Windows AI stuff uh, or Microsoft's, any of its AI stuff, really. We're going to see the return of Clippy, except for 
in co-pilot form, right? This is basically the, oh, it looks like you're writing a resume. Can I help you with that? Can I serve up some macarons while you write about your French cuisine chef history? Or, you know, that that's what I'm thinking is going to happen. I would love if they physically manifested Clippy as the co-pilot, but I don't think so. I don't, I don't know. I feel like Clippy is dead, although within Microsoft, they do fun Clippy things all the time. There's like Clippy merch and like fun little character stuff they do. We did bring up the Clippy comparison before, Sherlyn, and um, I do feel like um, it's like Marty McFly and Back to the Future. We just weren't ready for that yet. No, <laughs> with we Clippy, and also Clippy was not very good um, back in the day. Not but now, then, yeah. powered by AI, this Windows Copilot thing seems really useful. Um, there is a video, or there should be a video in my piece. Maybe that didn't get updated, uh, but there is a video out there that you could see. Basically, think ChatGPT, think Bing AI in a little sidebar. But in addition to searching things from the web, it can also like do things within Windows, which I think is kind of interesting. You could be like, "Hey, can you um, you know change my desktop background?" And it could do it within the sidebar rather than pushing you to the settings or something, which you can do in Windows Search right now. You could just search for a setting and that'll pop up. Um, but the the Windows Copilot can actually do things for you. And they also showed off things like, okay, drag a document into it and ask it to summarize this document. That's cool. That is one of the things we've been thinking about and talking about when it comes to like ChatGPT and stuff. Um, AI helping you. AI, I think Copilot is a very key, key word there, right? Because I sort of think of it like... Um, my car and a lot of other cars have um, like pilot assistance, which helps you do a little driving, but they don't call it self-driving. They're not like this car is driving itself. Um, they are. We are helping you pilot. We are your helper. And it's like it's like a difference in messaging. So you are still the you are still the captain of the ship. But you got AI over here. You go like, please, uh, there's a stock. Just just summarize it. What are the key points? You know, Um I think like that is key. Like it's something you live alongside. And right now it's a text uh, interface too. So when I was talking to Pano, it was like, he mentioned things like, yeah, he kind of sees like the modalities of how you use this kind of changing down the line. Because uh, do you remember Cortana, Sherlyn? And do you remember like the <laughs> oh history gosh. of Cortana on Microsoft? I, and yeah, I, I mean, for Cortana's me, Cortana's dead. Like... like they killed Cortana after several years. Yeah. Right. I, I was just thinking a little bit like, oh, do we need to explain Clippy for some of our listeners slash viewers? Because like, I don't go, know if everybody knows. Go look it up on Wikipedia. So yeah, yeah, well, so, Clippy was like a thing that got in your way in office. It was like, hey, it looks like it's you're a paper clip. A First of all, it, yeah, was a paper it was a paper clip, clip, which for those of you who don't know what a paper clip is, go back. You no, don't need to listen to this we gotta podcast. Stop. We'll, we got to stop yeah. at some point. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you may be if a you little If you don't know young. what paper is, uh, please, please. <laughs> oh my God. You must go be a historian listening to this then if you don't know what yeah, paper yeah, yeah, is. Yeah. But anyway, um, mm -hmm. yeah, it was a paper clip and it uh, served as some sort of like digital assistant sort of, but not a response to you or, or your demands or commands. It was really like more of a hindrance or, or it was or like unhelpful. surveilling you in your documents and then being like hey you doing this can it's i like, help, nudge, can nudge. I help? Like, and it was, yeah yeah a really annoying friend maybe um, uh, i don't know there I is just, a bit of that in windows copilot because panos did say like um hey is your desktop too messy maybe windows <laughs> copilot could be like hey do you need some help organizing these icons um uh, because i see your I, life is a mess and i just want to help you you know? Yeah, but back to what you were saying just now, I, I love that I jumped straight to Clippy instead of Cortana, which was in between, right? Like I totally forgot about, I mean, like Cortana, I tried to use Cortana for a bit there and it just was not good. And Microsoft had such a bad rap out of all the different voice assistants that were available. Cortana was the worst. So I think they're, like my hot take is I think all that whole era of voice assistants, Sherlyn, was bad. Like we didn't 
we didn't get anything from that, right? Cortana fizzled away. Um, you could ask them the weather. That's nice if they yeah. heard you properly. Um, Amazon's but- one is good, and um, Google's one is is pretty good. And I obviously we have Siri. Ah! Uh, if you're tuning yeah, yeah. in to the live stream, you you will see a picture of Clippy and that that little smirk, that infuriating. Oh, Look at his cold dead eyes. Look at you cannot trust Clippy. The but, smirky yeah, eyebrows. Okay. But yeah, the things you mentioned. Um, so the Amazon Assistant. Um, I wrote about that like back when it first you know started taking shape. I think the key for Amazon is that it was only this thing that you could talk to, right? They didn't really have another interface, and they really focused really well on voice recognition and delivering just an audio experience, whereas Siri and um, Google Assistant and Cortana were like, hey, we're in your OS, and you got to see things, and you got to do things. I don't think they were ever very useful, like, to to be honest. Yeah, And yeah, I do think, like, right. now with generative AI, now, with Google, now they can actually have, like, a brain rather right, right. than just be this thing that responds, like, what is the weather? What is the thing? So I'm kind of excited about that. I don't know how you feel. Like, you're a Windows purist, kind of like I am, Sherwin, right? Yeah, I I try to use Mac more because they kind of force <laughs> us to for work. And I'm just like, no, I can't. Windows is my thing. Um, I I don't know. I'll have to see it happen. I, I am nervous about, like, a takeover. I'm nervous about, like, a too much, right? Like, how much is too much? Is careful navigation... So we'll see. I do think some of the features that are coming seem really interesting, like better life captions. That's a good accessibility feature. Uh, it's going to support Bluetooth low energy audio, which like should help because first of all, Bluetooth sucks. But yes, um, I, that's a I separate mean, rant for another day. The Bluetooth Windows experience stinks compared to like honestly even Macs or iOS. Yeah, mm, exactly. Um, but in general, too, it kind of stinks. So. I don't know. There's a lot of... The, I mean, I wrote up a little bit of news too, right? For for Pilt. So that's the only thing I knew, which is that AI is also coming to the Windows uh, store or the Microsoft store on Windows. And this is... It feels like, yeah, Microsoft is really inserting AI everywhere it can. In some ways, it feels helpful. Like for the um, Windows, the Microsoft store stuff is using AI to kind of summarize reviews for apps and stuff. So you don't have to scroll through like... I think in the Microsoft store, there's maybe at max like a dozen reviews, but Microsoft is it's like, no, a, some of them have really thousands. Yeah. Right. And yeah. some of them have thousands of reviews. I'm like, all right, well, I only want to see the first, like the, the reviews from the last five months max, because I don't want to see reviews from three years ago telling me about a bug that didn't, doesn't exist anymore. But anyway, I, I think that's the thing. Like they, they've spent tens of billions, they've invested tens of billions of dollars into open AI. And now we're seeing the fruits of that partnership. Um, they also announced like, Hey, uh, plugins, they're going to support the open AI, AI plugin platform too. So Bing AI will support that windows copilot will support that. So other companies will be able to make little plugins that work within these things. And, um, so like Spotify will be very smart about like what you're asking for or like Expedia or something like some, something that can actually do some serious work. So that is kind of interesting, but you know what, before we get too much deeper, Let's listen to my interview with Panos Panay, Chief Product Officer at Microsoft. He gave me a good breakdown of what Windows Copilot is. And we had a really long chat, too. So, you know what? Normally, we only get like 10 or 15 minutes with people. And I think we had a good time to sit down and think about like what this means. Uh, Panos cares deeply about his products. You know, it is something we've talked about quite a bit. Uh, This man loves his Surface devices. um, And he also loves Windows. And I do think like he is not just like the cheerleader of this stuff, like he is a genuine fan of these products. And honestly, 
Windows is like the computing platform I spend more time on the one I like the most. So yeah, I, I would love to see where things go from here. Here's my interview with Panos Penne. Panos Penne, thank you so much for joining us on the Engadget Podcast. Of course, are you kidding? I'm pumped. It's good to be here, Devin. I'm pumped too. I'm very happy to chat with you, Panos, because I feel like every year we're very excited to see what Microsoft is bringing to build. And I know that this year is a pretty big one. You guys have been really hammering on AI since, honestly, early on in the year. I'm very sad I didn't get to make that person that uh, that event in person. But now we have Windows Copilot. You know, we've seen the GitHub Copilot. We've seen Microsoft 365 Copilot. Can you tell us, like, just summarize, like, what is Windows Copilot? How do you think it'll help users use Windows better? You know, let me let me back us up because I think we're at this. Let me I'll answer it for sure, Devendra. And I'm no problem. All right, so you're not going to. Yeah, I'm, I'm bummed you're not there. I, I will say uh, I'd love to see you in person soon. Let me just start there. Um, and I want to talk movies with you because I've I've been. Oh, for sure. been watching the depth of your movie thinking. And I want to challenge some of your concepts on that. So that's my response. <laughs> and not necessarily. Answer. If this is about the Blackberry movie, I don't, you should see it. It's definitely good. I haven't seen it. And and uh, I've heard it's going to be a killer. And I have so many friends. That, so it's like uh, there's a little emotion. It will it will punch you in the gut as somebody who lived through that whole thing. And I was I was there covering it, too. So it's very. Yeah, yeah it's really well like there's a lot of those moments where they're so emotional to think through that it's hard to get there. Um, but to your question, like, look, we're at an inflection point right now. There's no question. AI is uh, transformative tech. It's it's incredible, of course, what can be done with it. But at the end of the day, like, I think about Windows and its role with AI is such an opportunity. And, you know, now it's the, it is the end point. And that's kind of a dorky term. So let me just back off. It's, it, you know, we have hundreds of millions of people right now bringing the power of AI to Windows 11 gives you this opportunity to... Um, not only get more creative, but and get and even get more productive. But ultimately, just every user can become a power user using Windows. Now you'd be like, "Well, I don't want to be a power user." Like, what does that mean? Like, oh no, I just want to simplify your tasks. I want to help you get things done. I want you to move faster through what you're creating or designing or reading. And so, you know, I always look at it like what AI is doing for us right now. But it kind of, in one one sense, makes you smarter if you wanted to. You want to feel smarter, and in one sense, makes you wiser. If you want to feel wiser, in the next sense, makes you more productive. If you want to be more productive, and uh, ultimately can enhance creativity. So, you can think about it within Windows. There's this this opportunity um, to bring all of its functionality right there to be your assistant and kind of walk you through maybe what you can do next, or 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 be inspired to do what you're doing better or differently. And I. It's so hard to unlock all of Windows if you're a Windows user. It, there's so much there. I mean, Devendra, the depth of this platform is 30 plus years. It's the tools in it are mind boggling. And so the things that I used to do in the 90s to help fix computers and do things still work today. So it is it is kind of a weird platform that, you know, we're, so many things are still similar, even as it's evolving, you know? Yeah, I think here's the thing. You, you know, you're, you just caught maybe one of the most fascinating points in building the product. Um, God, you triggered something. Can I just tell you a story? Because the way Go I think it. about AI and the product is like you're talking about days. Oop, lost you guys there. Are you guys still there? Can you see me? I can see you. can hear you again. Okay. Yes. I have to admit something now. I know. Mm -hmm. Go ahead and, you know, I'm sure you're still recording. Let me admit something. <laughs> uh -huh. I, am, I am literally using my prototype hardware that's launching this holiday. Oh, boy. And okay. so uh, I can't tell you what it is because that would that would be a different set of news. I can tell you that AI is making it better. 
which is rad. Uh, but okay, I, that's but, super cool. I'm going to look at the reflection of your eyeballs, Panos, and uh, I'll no, see no, what the heart no, is. Don't yeah. you dare. Don't you dare. But it, now the yeah. problem is, and my team warned me, they're like, please be, don't use production devices. Yeah. I'm like, no way. I will not. And mm-hmm. so here we are, and you'll see a different auto framing, <laughs> better background blur, all that stuff. But at the same time, okay. uh, yeah, hopefully it looks like a DSLR camera because that's one of the goals. But here, here's the. It does look pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here's. Uh, Here's what you sparked. Let me just share it. When you say you remember, like there's still stuff from the 90s that's that you can do in Windows today. With the one that's the most interesting part about building Windows, for the record, like you got it. You're you're supporting as much legacy as you can and bringing it forward, but also transitioning to where customers need to go, where they want to go, where they need to go, um, and always trying to Im- impact what that looks like. But think about what you just said. It's and and tie it to AI. Start with DOS late 80s mid 80s or so right and now you're using a keyboard go to the gui and the interface of the mouse move to where touch has taken us every one of these inflection points have been pretty different um you know what the phone brought with touch then what windows kind of took on where pen has evolved which we had brought back and how that interaction model was so critical and now you've got this generation of ai which is also going to move us forward in how we interact and one of my you know, my vision for the product and the team and what they're working on. I'm so proud of this team. Like they, they, they're, they've, they've been working on this for years to vendor. It's not like just yesterday. Um, but I believe the whole interaction model and how you get stuff done on windows will continue to evolve. And the copilot is the starting point. And so what you see at build, uh, today and what you'll just get the depth of tomorrow, uh, and what we're bringing to preview in June for users is exactly that, like the beginning of how do I use the AI assistant to enhance my Windows experience. But to your point, there's so much depth in this product from the 90s on. Um, you know, our job is to responsibly, of course, push it forward to users that need both the past and need to get to the future. This is it. Like this elevates so many of those features so quickly. And I have so many kind of users that use Windows in its simplest form. Browsing, browsing, mail, office, um, and which is so important and so impactful. And then we got just the, the you know hardcore devs who get right down to the depth of the product. And I think both are so vital to the platform. But now I think you know every developer can move forward as an AI developer, and every you know every user can be a power user on Windows. I think it just makes Windows that much better. It's pretty inspiring. It, Watching the team and what they're able to create and and pull from this has been has been inspiring. I, I have a couple questions about what Copilot actually is yeah. for people who may not fully get the idea so far based on what we're talking about. So it does look like you can you know talk with it and send um, you know use it just like being AI chat um, get those queries in, but it can also do things within Windows. Can you tell us like yeah just how like is it does it do the exact same thing Bing AI does uh, no, plus it, it plus does, Windows stuff? Yeah yeah mm-hmm. it does. And, and, and. And so, like, the thing to think about is, first, first, let me really bring it down to the simplest level possible. My 13-year-old, Anastasia, she she came downstairs, I think I'm going to say like a month ago, you know, and when I say downstairs, because, yep, she was in her room. My daughter comes downstairs and she says, Dad, um, how do I use Chad GPT? And, um, you know, it was a moment. She's very well-versed in tech. You know, she writes her own code. She does, she does things that baffle me. Um, I'm, I'm proud of her, you know, it's fun sitting down and doing homework with her. But at the same time, when she asks that question, I, I use it as like the simplest form. I think there's a lot of people right now saying, Hey, I've heard about, I know about, um, how can I, those sort of 
questions that they maybe they don't resonate perfectly with your audience, but there's a whole group of people out there that want to know. They want to learn. They want to go. And I think yeah, Bing Chat is a Bing has been great for that. I mean, I told Anna, hey, go get go get Bing Chat, and you know she was on the wait list. <laughs> no special privileges for her. Yeah, wow. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, no, unfortunately, you know, they go, uh-huh. so you're, and then she got through and then she understood and she used chat GPT and she's it all, but I don't think everybody gets to come downstairs and ask that question. And so my filter is first thing Copilot is on windows is it just brings it front and center to hundreds of millions of users immediately. And like when somebody says, Hey, how do I use, how do I use AI? How do I use chat? How do I use Copilot? I guess right here. And so it's right there on the taskbar. It's a core part of everything Windows is moving forward. And so that's the first thing. Like, how do we make it as simple as possible for people to get into the thing that they know? It's like, it's back when, uh, remember my first time using the web. What is this thing? How do I use it? Right. I, I had this thing called Gopher at the time. And then it's like, but there's this other thing. It's called the web. It's internet. Like, how do I do it? And then you have it, then you click on it. And then all of a sudden, it's just one click and you go, oh my gosh, here it is. I think that's the democratization that I'm that I'm looking for to help people get to it quick. That's one. Next, you said it. It's Bing Chat. Like that's that matters. You know, you'll have your assistant. It's there for you. But it's all actually about Windows functionality, uh, bringing third-party integration. So, what is Windows functionality? You know, Devendra, if you do you know if you don't know how to cast your screen to another screen, it's okay. Just type. I want to cast the screen to my TV, and Copilot will do it for you. And instead of mm-hmm. you trying to go into settings and figure out how to do it or how to simplify that example. Or I like, I've heard of dark mode, or I want to change my background. Like these things that people actually love to do on Windows. Um, it's that's like what I call making every user a power user. Like, yeah, don't worry. You just ask the question and Copilot will take it and it'll show you how to do it if you want to do it, you know, you want to learn to do it yourself. And I think that's a pretty powerful aspect of it. And then there's the idea of third-party integration. You know, not everybody's going to use the same tools. And we know that. That's the beauty of Windows. It is, it is an important element of like. Let's say you're using Chrome and you're like, okay, and you want some, you just want to resummarize what you're reading, or you want an article that's going to be simple uh, for you. You want to bulletize. You don't have time. Like the beauty of that, just copy paste it, and then we'll do the. You know, it's right there, but it's there for you, regardless of what tool you might be using. You know, you got to think about it. You're building for over a billion people, but you're also building for people who have been using it since the '90s and. Um, people who are right. new to Windows, because we have this growth of new users coming to Windows 11, which is awesome. And so since everyone's unique, you're trying to capture all of that. And so my encouragement for for those who are listening, like, you know, get after it and then and then tweet at me. Tell, tell me what you want, because we're in this super early stage of, yep, Bing Chat, yep, functionality depth of Windows, and yep, third-party applications are going to integrate. And yes, the plugins that you see from Chat GPT will automatically work in Bing and then automatically work here. And so... Mm-hmm. You know, you'll launch Spotify from the Copilot. You'll launch Adobe, um, basically tools from the Copilot because it'll advise. Hey, here's an option for you. Do you want to take it? So that assisted, kind of, that assistant coming with you. I'm so pumped about it. But then there's going to be so many ideas. Like here's my thing. I, I this is one of those where we go into preview. I can't wait to hear what users want. And then uh, you know, it's funny. I get I get a lot of feedback from Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and uh, I, it is powerful. It's been, those are powerful tools. And now, you know, as we aggregate and learn, it's going to be pretty fun. It's going to be, this is me a fun journey and it's the first step. Um, but I've got a pretty, pretty extensive set of plans. This isn't, we didn't just create this yesterday. You know, this has been a journey and, uh, we've got some rad stuff for next year's build, but 
uh, already, you know. <laughs> can, can you give us a sense of how long this journey was? Because from my perspective, and I think from a lot of consumers, they only really started hearing about this stuff at the beginning of the year. And then, boom, we're more versions to ChatGPT. You know, uh, Microsoft has co-pilots everywhere. It feels like this is accelerating really quickly. How long have you guys actually been thinking and planning to bring this into Windows? So it's been it's been that, you know, what I would say is the copilots have accelerated fast, but you kind of got to go back to, you know, GitHub Copilot has been there for a while. And and before that, AI has been pervasive throughout the machine and Windows, and especially in Surface, of course, uh, for quite a while. So there's years of tech investment here. This is not a now relative to years of interaction model investment. This is like people on Windows 11. The engagement's incredible. The way they frame their windows has been pretty amazing. How much stuff they do on it. So you learn as you watch um, and as we get feedback. And now the UI model starts to shift with the technology investments being made. And that's kind of what you're seeing. You have a platform developing over many years. But now the face of that platform is the UI. That's when I said, like, we went from DOS to GUI. And now we're going from GUI to an AI generation of capabilities. Maybe not GUI, but there's been a transformation in between. But that's that's a big leap. But um, the experience in UI actually take what you're seeing is the experiences through AI, through UI, so user interface, are basically making AI feel more transformational than you could have seen. And, you know, a lot of times, Vendor, we talk about this a lot with products, there are things you understand in concept, and then there are things you feel when you see it. And um, I think that's where we're at. People are starting to feel that transformation. They're also seeing it at the same time and wondering, what can I do with it? You know, how what, what am I going to do with it? And this is the tipping point. I, I think this build moment, the Copilot moment for Windows, the Bing moment before that, the Copilot and M365 kind of starts to bring it all together. Um, and then that's like five years of work from Silicon Partners all the way through to the tech stacks to our, um, you know, responsible AI forms that were created in 2019, all the way through, like these have been progressions to get us to this point. And it's a pretty exciting time. Speaking of UI, by the way, like I noticed this is a, you know, this is a chat interface, you're typing into it, just like you do for being AI chat. Honestly, the thing I'm really missing in Windows these days is the sort of stuff I was doing with Cortana back in the day, um, using voice commands for a lot of things. And we kind of lost Cortana, you know, Cortana just kind of like faded away a little bit. I'm wondering, is Microsoft committed to you know keeping AI as a central thing in Windows and all of its products, maybe more so than Cortana? And we'll also, will we get to speak to you know uh, Windows Copilot uh, just as easily in the future? Yeah, you're going to be able to speak to AI at every level, and that's an important. I think that's an important concept. Like I, I believe in modality of input in a way that uh, probably others would wouldn't go as far as me. But at the end of the day, like here's how it should work, Devendra. How do you want to think and how do you want to get the content you want back? How do you want to create? Some people want to write it down. Some people want to type it. Some people just want to double click. And some people want to say it. So if you just take that, those modalities and how Windows is right now at a point where it adapts to you. And this is that next step of adaptation. You might have thought before, well, what's the point of voice? Well, whether that was translation or transcription or what it meant for accessibility, those are very powerful tools. Um, and to your point, there's some historical, you know, work with other uh, other agents. But at the end of the day, um, right now, you're now coming in and saying the co-pilot, for sure, you want to talk to it. At the same time, it, it kind of wants to talk to you. Like, this is the power of it. Like, I can make the suggestion, hey, I see you doing this. You have a, your, your windows are a mess. You want me to organize them for you? And just click yes. 
or say yes. And then watch the snap feature in Windows come to life where four, your four apps that were kind of stacked and a little bit messy clean up and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm just, when I say people are more productive, right out the gate, Devendra, like let, let the assistant make a suggestion, take the suggestion or ask it, hey, can you organize my Windows? Say it out loud and watch the magic, you know? And so I think that'll be the thing that people just kind of step back and go, oh my gosh, that is more productive. And, um, or I want to look at these two documents side by side. If I want to say that out loud and that's my natural interaction, then that's what will happen versus maybe I want to write that out because that's how I think. You know, I tend to be a writer. I've, I've told you, I think I've told you in the past, like I wake up every night in the morning or whatever you want to call it and I do my writing and that's how I think. And then my creativity happens through the day because I've written what I needed to write down early. But my creativity comes from my voice. I refuse to write the mail that I was thinking about that I already hand wrote in the morning. And so that, that I don't know that how many people are, are that silly like me. Like I wake up, I write, I know what I want to create during the day. Then during the day, I'm not going to rewrite it. I'm going to think about it. I'm going to listen to others and I'm going to talk about it. If I get to do that now with my surface or my PC, are you kidding me? Like, that's it. It's transformative for my creation process. So when you say, can you talk to it? The answer is yes. Long answer, but but definitely for sure. That That is the thing. Like that is my dream of like AI that I can talk to and that just does things as I'm typing and doing other stuff. So that, that, I would love to see that. Say yeah. that, say that over and over again, because that is that those two modalities you just said, okay, okay uh, dork speak, sorry, modalities, you speaking and typing. And that's part of your way of working. Let me tell you, Devendra, everyone is, uh, might be similar, but different. If that makes sense. Like everyone's different. How you think, how you type, how you write, how you speak and type at the same time. I have to type, I, if I were recording what you were saying, it wouldn't be me watching a video later. It would have been what I wrote down while you were speaking to me. And so there's there's so much of how what recall looks like, and that's a hint to the future. And there's so much to what um, creativity looks like, and that's right now. I think we, we, can, we can quite literally think about um, Windows helping you through that. It's so important. Like, AI, just, if you take anything away from this conversation, anything, Devinder, please take this away from me. And I and I said it at CES, and I'm going to say it again from everything I can see, but AI is going to be the single largest driver of innovation for Windows in the years to come. And it's going to change. It's going to support your interaction models. It's going to change the way you work, change your interaction models to make it easier. Um, it's going to understand so much about what you need um, and this opportunity to keep it secure and private just to you is is a super important point. Yeah, you know, this whole thing brings me to my final question, Panos. Like, I do, I do think everyone is thinking about the ethical considerations of AI now, and I'm specifically worried about things like misinformation. You know, uh, Bing AI, Chat, Chat GPT, everything, they're so good at pulling back information and bringing it right to you. And I, I don't think they're always that good at always making sure that information is accurate or even making that clear to the user. How are you guys kind of handling that with Windows Copilot? Because if I'm typing something and gets me a response, I think a lot of people would just trust what it says rather than follow up or, you know, maybe be aware that it may be mis misinforming them. Yeah, I think it's it's a good it's a good frame. I think there's 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 no doubt we have to approach AI and the innovation. Uh, well, we have to approach it with innovation, but also optimism. But that said, to your point, we have to prioritize both people's safety, privacy, and also at the end of the day, if you do it in a, in a frame of humility um, where we're always learning, this is going to be vital to your point. Like if you 
if there is hallucination, if is that the word? And I, and I think has been that, that is one word, but yeah. I think misinformation is like the big thing people Got are throwing it. out there. I yeah. think it's about it. That is about being responsible. We have forms to make sure it's there, and this is exactly why you would see it come in. One of the reasons you would see it in preview uh, in in June, which we're releasing it that way, because we have to learn, we have to understand exactly. You know that we have grounded references for sources of information. Bing is doing a ton of work here. They're doing it within our responsible AI standards. And so that way we get to a point where, yep, as a product maker, I have the confidence that what we're handing our customers is exactly what they need uh, when we launch into full availability of it. And so I think it's about patience. It's about humility. And if you give it the right, if you give it time and uh, the right innovation, then we can get to that point of creating creating the guardrails needed to keep it safe. And and then to your point, remove the, is it, is it misinformation is the word that you used? I think it's a, I think it's an important, important part of that process. I'll also say I mean, this for, though, for, let me, let me yeah, share yeah. this with you so you have it. Cause it's important. Like, you know, you have developers right now that are, that are looking at the, these endpoints and what I call windows endpoints, which is, you know, there, there's an opportunity for, to, on the other side of this, to think think about how they can all come out, and this is for just specific to developers, which I wish I was a true dev. I wish, like my whole life, I always. I mean, same, same. Yeah. You get that feeling, like I. Yeah. I, I like the tech, but I dropped out of CompSci because I did not like the programming. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, these are the wave makers. These are the creators. These are the pioneers of the next generation of product, and um, you know, so it is. It is our responsibility, if you will, and and Microsoft takes it pretty serious to make sure we're not only enabling people to be that and you think about windows there's 200 million gpus out there in market today let alone what's coming you got windows 11 which is the, maybe a you have this developer growth curve that is uh incredible i mean I, it's like a 24 percent growth in devs on windows since windows 11 came um so we have to use our learning process you know the humility we bring to the tools as well it's not just the endpoint. does that make sense so the tools we create are critical here just as much as the endpoint usage of it, or if you were the customer that's using it at the end. So that's part of our responsibility as well. I'm just throwing it out for you. Well, thank you so much, Panos. And I'm sure we'll keep chatting about this in the future. And I can't wait to see what you guys do with Windows Copilot. Hey, look, this is a journey. Can you stick with yep. me for a minute on the next step? Not now, but when I say <laughs> for a minute, like, hey, we gotta, we're gonna have a fun couple of years here, Devendra. We're excited for the next step. You take care. Awesome, thank you guys, bye. So that was my interview with Panos. And, uh, you know, I, I do have some big takeaways from that. Uh-huh. Uh, we we talked a little bit about, I think, the downsides of this, right? What is the the bad part about leaning so much on AI? And I think AI right now, and you've talked about this, Sherlyn, is that it's not, it's not perfect. Honestly, it's like less accurate than actual search engines in some respects and less clear about like what the bad information is. So I do think misinformation is going to be a big thing Microsoft has to work with. First off, like, is that a concern for you, Sherlyn, like to put a product like this right in front of everybody's faces and they cannot tell if like this information is coming from a garbage spam website, you know, or like, you know, a a serious legit thing? Yeah, I think we've talked about this a lot. Media literacy and that sort of thing. As it exists right now, people are bad. A lot of people are bad at it. Not everyone. And the people who are going to be good at it, it doesn't matter where you stick it in their face, in their OS, on on, on Twitter, whatever, right? They're going to be media literate. They're going to be like very uh, rightfully suspicious of like information. It is the people that don't have that sort of skill 
Um, and it is a little more dangerous, I guess, to put it in the OS in that case, because at least with like things like Twitter um, or other social media websites, it's like they actively have to go look for it. They actively have to open an app. But this feels a little more pre like prevalent, intrusive almost. I don't know. Do you think the same way, Dev? I think um, more so than like Twitter or something, it's like more like Google, right? If you go Google a health question or something, you get sent to a website and if it's filled with like weird scam ads, you know, it looks gross and the design's bad and has all these pop-ups. Um, I think a part of you may be like, I don't trust this, you know, or at least it's more clear. There are a lot of red flags here. If it's all within the very sleek Windows Copilot interface, you can't tell what's what and you can't exactly tell where that information is coming from. So I talked with Panos, I talked with a couple other Microsoft executives about this, and they're all, they're thinking about it. Um, I think it was interesting that Panos didn't quite have the word for this potential issue, <laughs> because I think they're just so excited about it. So he kept stressing, like, uh, misinformation is what I was calling it. And like, yeah, that is the thing. Uh, you could call it misinformation, you could call it hallucinations from AI. But whatever it is, it is, it is bad information being delivered to people confidently. I think that's the way I describe it. And yeah, to me, that that could be a problem. And right now, all Microsoft is saying like, hey, they, they're going to take like a, a, a an attitude of humility around this. Like they may be wrong. Some things may be wrong. People can respond and say, hey, this is incorrect information. But it's weird how much they're kind of throwing caution to the wind and just being like, hey, well, we're just testing this out. And this will be a in, uh, Windows Insider preview starting next month. So it's not rolling out to everybody immediately. But it does seem kind of funny how much you're like well everybody wants the ai and uh you know you will help us get better at it it's like a big risk i'd say right do you think that that like and and i don't know if this deviates too much from the misinformation thing but do you think there's added danger because like look james polter in the live chat says there's a big question how do amazon and google respond when they don't own the os on the desktop and that like that reminds me look microsoft famously doesn't have the best history when it comes to like third-party services and whatever, right? We were talking about Internet Explorer being the default browser for sure, a long sure. time, and now they're a little way, bit better at it. They are, but also looking at the landscape today, like, look at how much Apple locks you into their services right. compared to, like, right. Microsoft so my, got a ton of crap that other companies didn't understand. Exactly. Yeah. So they had to yeah. deal with that, so they maybe yeah. have learned a lesson. My question is, will this lesson still be fresh enough for them that when they insert AI and everything, and when they're suggesting things to you, will they prioritize first-party search results? Will they prioritize Bing? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because it's now in your OS. Again, on Windows, you still have the choice to install Chrome. You can use Google as your search engine, but when you're using Windows Copilot, you know, I don't think you're going to have a choice to choose, like, a nope, result from different, somewhere other different than AI engines. It could be the sort of way like regulators now are like um, looking at Apple and maybe other companies and being like, well, you should support other payment processors. Like you should support things outside of like your walled garden. I think we're going to get there, but I think all these companies just try to push as hard as they can within their own thing. Um, and then if they get fined, then so be it. These are these are companies are richer than God, so they will pay they'll the fine. They'll make money first, and then they'll pay the they'll little fine the money, later, right? They'll yeah. get that market share, which won't just evaporate, right? So they'll take the fine and then cement themselves as like the chief operators in this new space. That is my thing. Um, yeah, yeah. So it is certainly an issue. Um, this is something we'll be looking at for a while. I haven't had a chance to test Windows Copilot. Um, uh, next month, it's going to roll out to Insider, so I'll check that out. Uh, but you know what, folks, if you have questions about this or about other things from Bill, drop us an email at podcastsandgadget.com. Uh, were there any other features, Sherlyn, that you want to point out? Because they, they added like better VPN access in the taskbar. Um, you mentioned better live captions. One thing 
Microsoft told me, and we didn't quite see imagery of this, my one pet peeve from Windows 11 is that um, all the icons in the taskbar are grouped together, and there's no way to separate them. Right. So that involves doing multiple clicks, and I, I ranted about this when I reviewed Windows 11. And I think they finally re- relented, and they're like, um, yeah, we're just going like, yep. to group those eventually. So that's going to happen if you are like me and like Sherlyn, who are very annoyed by this whole, like, adding an extra click to your Windows experience. Um, eventually, it looks like Windows 11 is going to support ungrouped icons. I don't know how they're going to make it look pretty, um, but it's a thing that's going to happen. Look, right? it currently already, I'm looking at my taskbar right now, and there's already two separate Chrome uh, icons, one for one profile, one for another, like personal business, whatever, right? And if it can work that way, I'm sure it can work for every other app. Like, come on, stop. Stop I, playing, Microsoft. So the, thing, the thing I love about or liked about other Windows before is that you had a little bit of the title bar. So if you had like multiple Chromes, you could see, oh, this is the Chrome with my Gmail. This is the Chrome with my Google Docs. You know, this is... It was a lot clearer, and you do one click down to your taskbar, pop into it. And it's something that Mac OS doesn't have, and it's always kind of annoyed me about Mac OS. Um, so, yeah, they will get back to that somehow. AI is coming everywhere. Um, this seems like a big bet for Microsoft, like a bigger bet than anything else that they've done recently. But we, we will talk a little bit about this around the Apple stuff, too. It does seem like everyone's scared of being left behind of the next big thing. And Microsoft is a company that has been left behind several freaking times, right? They missed out on mobile entirely. Windows Mobile came way too late. Windows Phone came way too late. And they just couldn't compete. The Zune came way too late after the iPod. (laughs) Um, They were late to the web in many respects, too. Like, Google rolled out Google Docs and Gmail and, like, really powerful web applications before Microsoft did. They had Hotmail, but Hotmail was kind of basic and janky like when gmail debuted so microsoft keeps missing and i do think they're worried about being like we can't do this again you know we cannot be left behind once again um so yeah i think that is the main thing there's a little bit of desperation here going on but we'll keep an eye on all this stuff and let us know what you think folks podcastinggadget.com let's move on to some other news and one thing i want to quickly shout out is uh the white house revealed um, some of its next steps for its responsible AI development plan. So um, let me just read here from an article from Andrew Tarantola. On Tuesday, the executive branch announced its uh, goal towards releasing an update to the National AI R&D Strategic Plan for the first time since 2019, as well as issuing a request for public input on critical AI issues. The Department of Education also dropped its hotly anticipated report on the effects and risks of AI for students. So there is a place for you to go, uh, you know, Go drop your your thoughts on how this stuff. Um, you can submit comments to let me see more one of more yeah, thirty prompt questions. There are, there are thirty prompt questions that you can answer and just tell the government what you're thinking about AI. Um, there are some interesting stuff happening here. I'm just I, I think it's fascinating to see like the government is like taking AI and looking at it seriously, um, mostly because they don't know what to do. We don't yeah. know what to do. We don't know what the stuff will actually do to us. Um, and we talked about the Sam Altman thing about him coming in and being like, please regulate me. There's a lot of stuff happening, right? We saw the news today um, or this week about Eric Schmidt, the former Google CEO, who also said that AI has the potential to like kill you know, humans or harm humans. And there's a lot of talk about like the long-term effects of what all this means and not enough about like, hey... Right now, it seems like people are using AI as excuses to lay off tons of workers, or there may be issues within the models that 
aren't like may inherently be kind of racist or kind of sexist, like, or may have like bad data. There's a lot of stuff we don't know, but we're kind of just like, we're just giving up information or assuming uh, what the AI is giving us is good information. Sort of like we're, we're going and asking the Oracle for information or something. And we're just taking what it, you know, what it gives us. And I do think like there, there is a big loss of trust there that we don't quite understand where this information is coming from. So that's just me. I don't know about your, like, you, you've been looking at this stuff for a while too, Sherlyn. Like, how are you feeling about where we're headed? I tend to be more of an optimist in general, right? And I tend to think more skeptically about the rate of development of certain things. I, I, I think this is necessary. Uh, I think we need to be constantly assessing. I think Google actually had the, a, a pretty interesting approach when it explained on in, at I.O. that it runs its own, like, AI through this, like, perspectives API to see if things are toxic, um, that can help with some of the um, reducing some of the bad information or the like bad perspectives that filter into the system anyway. What I want is to see actually smart people in these like um, committees, actual opposing forces in these committees. We can't staff it with only the heads of like tech companies, right? We can't just put all the Sam Altmans of the world in there. We have to have different voices in there to really have a and, and they have to be smart. Even and oh, you know what? Put one dumb yeah. person in there. Put one dumb person no, in there. No, you know what? Just, no, 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 no. What? No, because we need we need the, to hear what the dumb person viewpoint will be. We this need is to the hear sequel what the forest dump that we've all been waiting for. No, no, no. Um, but it is. Uh, we did talk about Google firing a bunch of its AI ethics researchers who warned about a lot of these issues that we'd be facing, um, and they're still out there. Um, Timnet Gebru and a lot of her folks that were fired alongside her were the ones voicing uh, opposition at Google, and Google didn't want to hear any of that. And now this stuff is actually rolling out there, and you have the Sam Altman's of the world basically coming to say, like, hey, um, could be a problem. because This could be bad. Like, there there could be things that are issues, and it's a lot of what Timnet and other people um, were saying, like, years ago, um, specifically last year, I think it was. Um, yeah. There's a lot we don't know. And I think that's the main thing. Um, let us know what you think, folks. Like, this is all happening so quickly. And whenever I talk to people in the tech industry about this, they're like, yeah, they try to be optimistic about it. But you know what? I was optimistic about tech in 2009 and 2010. And I covered Instagram and Facebook and all these companies as they blew up and had no clue what to do with the power that they ended up wielding. You know, so... This is like I am I'm a little bitter about a lot of this stuff because these companies keep trying to change the world to make a buck um, and they just leave a lot of destruction in their wake. So that is just me. I'm I'm just inherently worried about all this stuff. But speaking of new stuff, <laughs> Apple's mixed reality headset. Oh, boy. Um, Escape to mixed details. reality. No. <laughs> yeah. Talk about the other thing. Uh Mark Gurman over at Bloomberg has more details. He, you know, he's always had good sources and he has more details about like the history behind this plan for a mixed reality headset. Um, oh, by the way, Dub Dub is coming soon and Sherlyn and I will be there to see whatever, whatever Apple announces. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. there are certainly enough rumors. We will do like a full WWDC preview next week and dive more deeply into the stuff. But this latest Gurman report does give us a lot to think about when it comes to the mixed reality headset. Um, it does sound like uh, the earlier reporting was true is that they wanted it to be like an easy to wear pair of glasses, but they kept running into technical difficulties. Um, and there's a lot of like internal conflict too. It seems like there are executives aren't fully behind, behind it. Some people at Apple seem like it could be a genuine mistake or a big like product, uh, like perhaps a, a potentially potential failure, failure. Yeah, right. of a whole launch. Mm -hmm. 
the high price um, reports are it's going to have like a $3,000 price tag. Um, they're not aiming to sell many, many units. This seems like another big thing. This is like Microsoft putting a lot of its eggs in the AI basket. Um, Apple is basically kind of saying like, hey, like this could be the thing. Are you worried at all about this, Sherlyn? Or like, how, how are you feeling? Because I have thoughts on this. Yeah, worried. I, I mean, I don't see why I would be worried about Apple trying to the do VR market reality. is bad right now the VR market is kind of dead the PlayStation it VR is dead. just launched I, but I'm not worried like wants it. Yeah, yeah right but I'm not like if Apple tries it as bad then yeah sorry Apple I'm not worried for them like their their success doesn't really matter to me hey here's my ethics statement <laughs> I don't care um, but uh if I I'm not I'm I'm a, I'm intrigued. I'm curious to see how it'll go. Um, I think it, look at look at like the two things that are hot, right? You've got mixed reality slash metaverse slash VR, or you've got AI. And what is Apple better at? Probably neither. Okay, but definitely they're good at hardware. They're very good at hardware. You know, exactly. So, they're so yeah. much better at hardware than they are software, which is an AI thing, right? Their software games just never been as good as Google or Microsoft. So instead of competing in a space where it knows it will at most get a third place is going for, is going for meta It's like, Hey Zuck, that this picture on the Bloomberg article, by the way, Tim Cook's face is incredible. <laughs> you should take a look. It's him giving the side eyes of side eyes, uh, over his, uh, glasses and um i'm imagining he's staring at zuckerberg i'm like yeah we're coming for you buddy there's um, also like a fuzzy pixelated effect on that picture too so it's just it is a very it's incredible it's like oh fuzzy vision mixed reality yeah. is unclear i see your metaphor yeah. yeah but uh you said you had thoughts though Devinger. what are they i mean i do have thoughts and there there are reasons to be concerned because um maybe in the time you've been following apple Sherlin, apple's always been successful they've been one of the most successful companies have been making bank uh, forever. I remember the Antenna 90s Gate. when Apple... I remember AntennaGate. Yeah. No, no, no. AntennaGate, fine. Okay, that was a problem. AntennaGate didn't put the entire like existence of the company on the line, which mm -hmm. is kind sure. of where Apple was in the 90s. Like Apple was dying. Market share was falling. They took a big investment from Microsoft. Microsoft was like, hey, buddy. We'll help you out. Like, that's how bad things that's were for wild. Apple. Yeah, that's wild. And yeah. then, like, the iMac came out, and they started getting some big consumer wins. And then the iPod came out. And then, like, that was the big thing that kind of got Apple back into step. But I remember when Apple was flailing. I don't think this thing could get them there. But I am... Uh, I've reviewed so many VR headsets. I've reviewed like all the major ones that have come. I think this market is really interesting. But I also think it's kind of stagnated in terms of what it can be. And I've seen some of the mixed reality headsets too, and they don't seem there for regular com uh, consumers, right? I've seen the latest Magic Leap. I've seen the HoloLens. Very cool stuff, very expensive stuff. Not for users, like not for something everybody would need. It's not going to be the next Apple Watch. It's not going to be the next iPhone. But the reporting we've seen here keeps saying like, oh, Apple wants the next big platform. You know, what is it going to be the next thing? I am worried that, you know, the mixed reality glasses just will never quite be the thing for Apple. Uh, but we just talked about the BlackBerry movie, Sherlin, and I think the thing every company has to worry about is like the innovator's dilemma, right? Like you got so good, you you became king of the world by doing this one thing really well, and you get really comfortable, you get really cozy just doing that thing, and then something new comes along and just like blows you out of the water because you didn't quite expect it. So I do feel like Apple has a ton of money. They can They can afford to throw money at this. They've thrown money at a lot of projects uh, over the years that never happened. There were rumors about the Apple car. There were rumors about an Apple-built television. 
all so of which many. seem to exist. And I believe the yeah. executive who was like leading those projects up is also behind this headset. So not a great, I swear, not, not a great I think, track record. Yeah. I but you get car. I think the car is that secret sleeper success product that Apple should be focusing on as opposed to like, look at all the interest around EVs. Look at everything. Look at mm-hmm, the way mm-hmm. the world is headed. The Apple car... You know how like my spidey senses sometimes tingle? I, I sometimes know what products are going to like really interest people because, well, I, I pay attention to our YouTube numbers, right? And like car stuff, people are really into car it. Car stuff, Apple, people like car stuff. Is It's maybe if they were doing it like a decade ago, like the earlier rumors were kind of saying, I'd be into exactly. it. Now it'd be like, exactly. Now I can see Tim Cook just being like sitting back and watching Tesla's stock tank and tank and tank and be like, <laughs> well, but that's yoink. not... At some point, fully yeah. Tesla's fault, right? That's really Elon it's not Musk's their fault. fault. But... Uh, ding, 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 ding. We could yep. still could avoid an episode without saying his name. No, we're we're oh. going to talk about him later too. But hey, there there is also the other thing. I I would not be surprised if somebody ended up snapping up Tesla eventually because that company cannot survive on its current run. And there is um, I'm seeing like a big social media trend towards just dunking on Teslas and Tesla cars and hardware and stuff. I'm like, I think you guys are conflating a lot of things here because. That man certainly does stink. I don't back anything, but a lot of those cars were actually pretty good, even though there were build quality issues. There are issues like across any car and EVs in particular. Like uh, Teslas have done a lot to push EVs and to make them within reach for a lot of people. So I do think I think that company could be saved, to be honest. Uh, anyway, rather than Apple doing its own thing, uh, we have seen stories about Apple bringing making CarPlay more expansive and taking over your front dashboard and things like that. These mixed reality glasses seem like a big play to just like try out the next new thing. We the rumors are it's going to be reality OS, which is a sort of like offshoot of iPad OS, maybe a world where you can actually see full-size applications like within your actual view. Would you ever use mixed reality glasses like the Sherlin or would you want to wait until they became like like eyeglasses and then occasionally you see like some AI, some overlays on your vision or something. Yeah, no, I don't want to wear anything on my head. I get headaches way too easily from from just wearing anything, right? Like not not even reality OS or anything like that. So it would take a lot for me to want to do it. The use case has to be there. And I can't imagine something that would make me want to do it, you know? What if, but what if I'm wearing a light pair of plastic glasses right now? Mm-hmm. What if they were this light and this easy? That's better. Yeah. I mean, look, the Google Glass was fine in terms of size and weight. It just didn't do a lot. The no, Google, fine, um, yeah. yeah, the translating eyeglasses they demoed to last eye, not this recent IO, but the one before that, those look interesting. Um, but they didn't have a lot of like applications either. So it's like, we'll see, right? I, I want it to get to that point. But yeah, I don't know about the uses yet. I wonder, I wonder, because there were some around the Facebook, the MetaQuest Pro and other things. We saw demos and uh, we actually wrote up a story about an augmented reality laptop last week, which we didn't get to demo. But the the stories out there, that thing is basically an Unreal, an Unreal like headset tied to a little dock, like with a keyboard and like hardware and stuff, basically like a headless laptop. But you put on those glasses and you can see stuff around you. You can see windows. And I can imagine the day where I'm like, well, just like if you want to sit down and focus and work, you may put in your AirPods or put on your AirPods Max or something. Slip on these glasses, which turns your 13-inch MacBook Air display into this like expansive thing where you see like 100 inches of windows and all sorts of stuff. And you can be in a coffee shop and a little table just trying to type on your laptop. But what you see yeah. around you is like 
a ton of information and things to See, multitask. You that know what I like cool. about that? Yeah, yeah, I think that's really cool. And the thing I like most about that is the privacy. Because mm -hmm. I can see what I'm working exactly. on and no one, I don't have to worry about people looking over my shoulder and seeing embargoed information or porn. Imagine Sorry. being on a plane and actually being able to type embargoed stuff. Like that is my exactly. main fear on a plane. People are yeah. so close and you get to like, see, that's what I should I make uh, text very tiny when I'm working on stuff like that on a plane. But anyway, that, that is my dream scenario. I don't want to, I don't want to walk around with tech, like gadget glasses all the time. Like I don't want in like notifications in my face. Right. But every now and then. Work. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Or when I sit down and work. When I sit down and work, yeah. I want to, like, give me the world. Or if I sit down yep. on my couch, I'm like, can you just, like, put something well, on for me to watch? Yeah. Not just that. Imagine what it would do for your posture. You could freely move. Come on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Stay tuned for us next week, folks, too. We will be doing a full WWDC preview, and there will likely be more information about these glasses coming. But let us know what you think. Um, it's not that far from now. Like, we are going to see what Apple's going to be working on very soon. I'm very excited to see what it is. So drop us an email at podcastinggadget.com. If you have thoughts about this, please. In other other news, um, hey, Ron DeSantis, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, announced his presidential bid on, um, was it, Twitter's uh, Live Spaces? Is it Twitter Spaces is the full name for it? And that thing just kind of failed. And it's kind of kind of hilarious, too, because the, uh, the initial story was basically like um, Mr. Elon Musk whose name we will say once, basically teaming up with this guy to basically give him a big backing and to give DeSantis a home on uh, on his own platform on Twitter. And I thought that was kind of silly, but the actual event was kind of a technical disaster because they spent about 30 minutes trying to get the audio working. I think there was some reporting that because Musk had tweeted it out, it broke the Twitter space. And that, uh, that just like looked like a complete failure. Um, you know, the DeSantis thing, his his pitch for himself is exactly what he's been saying for a while. Uh, he is talking about the quote unquote woke mind virus, which is the thing Musk talks about too. And it is apparently getting these guys very far. It's very sad, I'd say. But I also think the other interesting thing is that he chose to do this on Twitter, Sherlin, and not like Fox or not like a big news station, you know? Like what what does it mean to to announce your presidential bid on on a social network, you know? Especially this Is it one. the first time? I don't know if it's exactly the first time. Certainly not for anybody who is like supposed to be a big front runner. Like DeSantis could potentially be a big front runner um, against Trump um, as an alternative. There's a lot of reporting that he has basically spent the last few months just kind of like losing whatever goodwill he had since the midterm elections. But yeah, announcing yourself on social media. Do you think what do you think about that in general? Um. In the past, before Elon Musk, I would say it's kind of savvy to be like, you know, announcing these types of big news things on Twitter as a platform. But now it's just like, I don't know, you're kind of declaring your allegiance <laughs> when you do that now. It's a little, it's a very different world, uh, you know, now than it was even just two years ago. So... It feels more political than it needs to be. It used to be maybe more like, I'm so technologically savvy, like, you know, and then now it's like, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't like a lot of the politics in Florida. Um, so I'm no, not I'll a big fan. I'll be going to Florida for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Even, yeah. Thankfully, I'm not a Disney kind of girl or a Universal kind of girl. So I'm like never needing to go there, like against my will. Although my friends who they live do in do have Miami. Peppa Pig land there now, so... That's a whole good, thing. Well, good thing I don't give a crap about Peppa Pig. Um, but uh, yeah, I just, look, I 
I don't know if DeSantis had the like mindset of yeah, I'll choose Twitter for such and such reason, but it, no, it, I, I think it totally is because like yeah. Musk, having Musk's backing is kind of a big thing. Uh, Twitter could be seen as Trump's home turf because uh, right. he, he was a big on Twitter guy. He was a big Twitter personality for a while, and that definitely helped his campaign. But I think the the I'm I'm not going to get into like the the nitty gritty of politics here, but Trump was also very good at like manipulating the media and getting himself coverage everywhere. And I think like just focusing on on a sad, error-filled Twitter space is kind of hilarious. Um, basically, everybody ended up trolling DeSantis after this event. Uh, Trump called it a disaster. I think he even did like something on his Instagram that was like directly mocking this. Um, I think even Biden was, uh, yeah, Biden's campaign was kind of funny. Uh, yeah, on Instagram, Trump posted a satirical video of a fake Twitter Spaces event that included. DeSantis, Musk, George Soros, Dick Cheney, the devil, and Adolf Hitler. Because this man, this man knows how to make a joke, I guess. Um, but anyway, that's what Pretty Trump's cool. campaign yeah. or people did. Right. Uh, people are trolling this whole thing. It's kind of a disaster. Uh, kind of funny to see. This is just a mess, but I thought it was funny because uh, this is um, this is potentially the future. Like uh, the Trump has is in trouble. We don't know if he's actually going to be the Republican candidate, but he's also facing a lot of legal difficulties now. He's being forced to pay a lot of money because of uh, other court cases. So it's going to be really interesting to see like where this all goes. But poor DeSantis, like this is like another DeSantis in his little white boots going to a cleanup effort, and the whole imagery of him being like, "Man, you." You really just came out of the mall with those things, didn't you? Like those things have never seen a speck of dirt in their life. And it's a sort of like weird, like disconnect he has between the world. It's kind of funny. Let's move through some other news. Have you noticed, Trillin, that your HBO Max uh, account is no longer HBO Max? It's now I haven't Max? opened HBO Max in a minute, so no. Okay. That's real. That's real. It's happening now. Like the we've been we've talked about this transition. Uh, it finally happened this week uh, ahead of the finales of Succession and Barry. Uh, very brave to do it right now, HBO. Um, it seemed a little messy at first because I think a lot of people noticed you could still open up HBO Max and eventually it would point you to a separate Max app, at least on the Apple TV store on iOS. It kind of pointed you elsewhere. Some platforms auto-updated. And I think it's really unclear which ones did. Uh, one thing people notice is that when you did download the new app, it tended to take over your credentials from the HBO Max app. So at least you didn't have to go do the whole login dance again. That's kind of fun. Um, that was a thing to do. They also got into trouble uh, because they did a weird thing where they, instead of like listing separate writers and directors on shows and movies, they created this like bundled creators category, which also included producers and people like not directly involved in the making of the thing and that was weird um yeah hbo or max uh, got a lot of flack for that and they immediately reversed that decision so kind of a messy transfer like transformation i don't think people will ultimately care in a couple of weeks but it's happening hbo max is dead long live max i guess <laughs> all right it's been a busy week too i'm i just reviewed the nvidia rtx 4060 ti uh the eight gigabyte version of that which is totally fine for 399 uh, this is nvidia's big push for 1080p with ray tracing so this is a beefier card than what's going to be the upcoming 4060 uh which the 4060 is just gonna be 299 so that's gonna get really interesting i'm also in the middle of testing amd's uh radian rx 7600 which is 269 dollars and i have not seen a gpu that cheap 
since like 2013 or 2015, like before the launch. Can it do anything? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Like all of AMD's cards, uh, it is not booting on my system. So (laughs) I'm having a lot of trouble testing it. I'm I'm gonna try this on other desktops, and I I think I am just cursed with Radeon cards. That's a weird thing. Even on my system, which is powered by a Ryzen processor and AMD Ryzen, the AMD Radeon graphics card is just like having a ton of issues. So look for my review of that soon. I don't know. I I'm just about to give up and ask for another one to see if that one works instead. We also quickly uh, wrote up something about Amazon's latest Fire tablet, uh, the two hundred thirty dollar. It's an Android two in one. It is the Fire uh, Max 11. Do you have thoughts about this, Sherlyn? Because it seems I wrote it. up your alley. Yeah. Uh, yes. I, yes. Yeah. I uh, yeah. saw this in person last week uh, around the time when App, uh, Amazon was launching all those Echo devices, by the way. And uh, this is basically Amazon knows that people like its Fire tablets for entertainment and like media consumption. Kids uh, play games on it. They have a lot of like Fire OS kid-friendly, family-friendly stuff on there. And they're like, well, but every now and then someone wants to do actual work on these, right? So they're like, here, here, have a, have a Fire tablet that will let you do actual work every now and then. Um, so there you go. They birthed the Max 11. And this is an 11-inch Android tablet running Fire OS, I believe, 8 that is based on Android 11. Uh, if that sounds like old software to you, it's because Android's currently on 13 going on 14. But Fire OS was only recently updated to android 11 so not actually that old um this software will come with some like multitasking capabilities like you can do like picture in picture you can also do split screen um yeah it does have a kickstand right or is it the cover has a kickstand yeah exactly so so for 230 you'll get that 11 inch android uh tablet Add a hundred dollars and you'll get the keyboard case with a stylus uh in the oh they're doing the the surface thing yeah, okay. yeah, but look, that total, if you think about it, if I hadn't told you this is a $230 tablet that becomes $330, and all I said was this is a $330 two-in-one, that's that's, that's like, sure. that's something, that's a difference. That's the, that's the price of the base iPad, $329. But this one, you'll get the keyboard in, and I, I've touched this keyboard, I've written with the stylus, and it is, the keyboard keys were nice. I enjoyed, like, the depth. Um, the trackpad's a little small, but, I mean, they all kind of are at this size. The stylus was fairly smooth. Palm rejection was fine. I mean, look, this is as basic as it gets, but it's an option. It's one of the cheapest options out there from a well-known manufacturer. Um, and if you already are in the Amazon ecosystem, and by that I mean Fire tablets, then this is maybe something that if your kid has been crying for, uh, crying out for, like, a... a tablet two-in-one sort of situation this might be a good one to consider because you still have those parental controls from the fire os but you don't um, get access to google apps right there are no google apps on the amazon no, store, uh there's the amazon app store uh, yeah I don't they don't have you... google apps as i recall you mean like first party like gmail yeah, drive yeah. that sort of thing i'm not the sure things where they i would right want now. to do on a two-in-one yes I'm not quite sure where they stand right now. I think you can still go to a browser and do that, but I know that you, you can have to still use go to a browser. Silk. But yeah, there's no like built-in apps and no offline support, basically, right? So yeah, that's why I meant like I mean, if your family's on this OS already and you're already familiar with it, go go with God. And if you're not, and you know, then there's other op- options out there for you. This is uh, the kickstand. I like that's built into the case. It's quite nice, actually. It, like you can use it at v- various angles, and it turns it into. And you can use, still use show mode to get Amazon's uh, assistant. To respond to you so kind of like a smart display anyway check out the article for the full details um and as well as how to or where to pre-order it all right and quick update by the way we mentioned project q which would 
was reported to be Sony's like streaming handheld device. Uh, Sony just had uh, like an announcement event yesterday and there were a ton of new games. And they also announced that the Project Q is real. It is a device. It's an eight inch screen sandwiched between two like controller ends. It looks they look exactly like the DualSense controllers, um, but it is a streaming a streaming only device. Uh, using uh, Wi-Fi and the company's remote play protocol. So you would, this is something you're going to be using at home. I'm pretty sure it can stream like outside of your home too, just not not as well. I don't know. Um, kind of interesting. There's no information on pricing or release date yet. Damn, I was uh, just going to ask that, yeah. It looks really cool, but I also like, I, I hear people saying like, maybe I should just wait for this. And I'm like, no, like don't, don't wait for an overpriced Sony streaming only handheld. Like not when... You could do a lot of this stuff. Um, you could get a backbone controller for your phone right now and stream your PlayStation games. Um, or a better purchase is honestly any of the PC ones because you may not. I think there is some work to let you stream a PlayStation game to those things eventually, but you also can run games locally. And this is a streaming only device. So it is entirely dependent on how good your internet is to see how well it works. So I don't, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens here. Let's move on to what we're working on. Uh, Sherlyn, why don't you go first? I've been talking for a while. What is up with you? Uh, lots. Um, WWDC is in, you know, we're in earnest planning. Blah, we're planning for it in earnest. Um, I'm editing a bunch of Father's Day gift guide things from our team. Uh, there are some secret stories I'm working on that I talked about already. And uh, we're working on a fun AI video. The one that we did before called Breaking Bard and Bing. Um... People seemed very interested in following up that like every quarter we'll do like a, a you know, follow up with Breaking Bart and Bing. So this time around, we're going to try to get the AI uh, that's available out there to do some to, uh, you know, to, mm-hmm. I, I don't think I'm going to give the we whole game away. We should definitely do we're something with Windows something. Copilot. Like once it's once it's released, we should do something. If fun. it's available yeah. in time for this video, we're working on it Not, with yeah, the intention yeah. to publish very soon. So, um, hey, give us your thoughts. What should I ask Bard or Bing or other AI? I want future looking stuff. Give us your prompts. Podcast at Engadget.com. Uh, Dev, what are you working on? A lot of reviews. I'm still working on that Radeon thing. I hope I can get it out soon. I'm also going to be doing some WWDC prep and maybe maybe some sort of piece about like what the mixed reality glasses could mean for Apple. So keep an eye out for that stuff. And uh, yeah, there's one thing I want to shout out around Engadget. We have a lot of stories going up, a lot of buyers, guys. But Jeff Dunn did the story about 14 relaxing video games to help you de-stress. And I want to say there's some good choices here. Stardew Valley, uh, Tetris Effect connected a short hike, which is an incredible cute little game uh, if you have a switch you should just get a short hike um but i have found playing some games has really helped my brain like calm down during crazy busy relentless days so i think this is a great way to de-stress and if you have a switch laying around and you're not playing zelda because zelda is like the thing everyone's doing right now there are so many great ways to like chill out and just game for a bit so i highly recommend these take a look at this 14 relaxing games to help you de-stress on engadget all right let's move on to our picks for the week What's up, Jolene? Yeah, like very related, right? Um, I uh, needed a bit of a mental health reset recently, and I discovered this new podcast. Uh, it's called New Mind... Well, it's not a new podcast. New to me. Uh, new Mindset, who this? <laughs> By Case Kenny. Uh, I discovered it on Spotify, which is like just where I guess I'm listening to things still. It's, it's yeah, it's just like one person talking in your ear about ways to see the world differently um if you're like me sometimes you tend to take things a little too personal and this can really help you shift your perspective a little bit i think the most recent episode that i listened to was about uh case kenny's theory of like peak 
end uh, memories of events or things that happened in your life. So you only remember the peak of something, the really good times. And then you also only remember the end of something. Like your favorite TV show. You remember all the best scenes and then the season finale maybe, right? And so, uh, you know, Case Kenny kind of explained how to like use that to your advantage to help you shift your mindset when you're, you know, focusing on maybe not the most accurate depiction of things in your memory, which is something I do a lot. So I just found that kind of helpful. I'm going to listen to more episodes. I've listened to a few more now and they've all just been pretty solid. So yeah, I, I feel like if, if, if you want a podcast other than the Engadget podcast to listen to, other than mine, which is still in the works. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. The one you've been talking about for two years, Roland? <laughs> it is never happening, ever. That's true. Um, That's yeah. 90% of podcasts is, are talked about. Exactly. But, you know, I would hope to hear it eventually. Yeah. Is this exclusive to Spotify, Sherlyn? I, I found it on Spotify. I haven't found it on the, uh, I haven't looked to see if it's on other platforms, but I'm pretty sure it will be on other platforms. Actually, they seem pretty open. So uh, check it out. And um, I think Devendra might be even looking up now if it's on other platforms. I'm going to look it up. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I want to shout out like a couple of things real quick. Um, Barry on HBO Max, mm, Max yep. and Succession are both coming in for a landing. The finales are going to be this weekend. So now is a good uh, time to You know what else is up. coming in for a landing? What's that? Have you been caught up on Ted Lasso? I, I am caught up on Ted Lasso. It's Whatever. coming in for a landing. I was going to mention this too. too. Um, I'm sorry. But I think specifically Barry and HBO, Barry and Succession are two of the best shows ever made. So if you haven't seen it yet... Um, if you haven't seen them yet, they're both very good, very funny, very sad and depressing in other ways too. Like they're so multi-layered. Um, I don't know if you're watching Succession yet, Trillin, but it is, it's, I, it's on my it's list, but I don't want it. I don't, I can't be sad. I'm depressed right now. So yeah, yeah. Barry yeah. is more funny. Like, honestly, they're both kind of funny, but it is, um, one of the, one of the most recent Succession episodes made me really cry for our democracy and like where we are going as a civilization because it's, it, it, it was like a doomsday scenario of something very, very bad happening and uh, something somebody ba- getting potentially close to the presidency who should not be there. And it was just terrifying. It was really funny to see people on Twitter reacting to that after after the episode. Everyone was like, I need a drink. I That is too real and too scary and it could easily happen here. So anyway, Succession is good. They're both good. Um, and yeah, Ted Lasso is having kind of a wonky season. Just kind of a... It's funny to see it's where the right, show is going. It's getting better gone. now. Yeah. It's getting better, but I think the season has been, I think the stories was, uh, they had basically like had to rewrite half the season or something uh, last year. So there was a delay. Uh, they didn't quite know the direction they were going in this season. And also they keep, they keep being weird about it, but they keep being weird about like, oh yeah, this could be the last the season last of Ted Lasso. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think, I think the thing that may be more likely is that Jason Sudeikis may, maybe just doesn't want to do this show right now. Right. Because right, right. now it's keeping him... It's Ted Lasso is a character who's being kept away from his child and his family because he's working in London. And in real life, Jason Sudeikis, you know, yep. he's not near his yep. kids. And I think that he's starting to feel that. So I here's my bet, is that this show, this series will kind of survive in another form yep. with somebody else That's leading, what they, leading the yeah. club. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's my speculation, too. Um, yeah. And maybe maybe Ted Lasso as a character will be around in like an American spinoff or something like maybe or in maybe the background. Here's yeah. Here's what I think: the show is currently called Ted Lasso. It wouldn't make sense if they continued it with the with the character missing. So they're probably going to just relaunch it as Richmond AFC, AFC yeah, Richmond, Richmond, and then have the, some something of the characters like 
all the characters but Talasso are still there. You know what I mean? It's great. So I would also have you checked out Shrinking yet, Sherlin? Not yet, but everyone's you been telling me about. I Shrinking want. I really want to. So it's so very after, good. Yeah, quite soon I will be watching this. And very similar to Talasso in that it can be funny, but it's also it can get you right in the feels really quickly. It's also about like the power and failure of therapy. Honestly, like why it may not always work, but the power of it. Um, but yeah, they're, they're of a piece, uh, shout out to Brett Goldstein and, uh, you know, the creator of that and the creator of, uh, Scrubs, whose name is Bill Lawrence. Um, he was behind all these as well. So, hey, you want some good feels? Easy good feels? Go watch Scrubs, Sherlin. Did you ever watch Scrubs? I did, yeah. Happy yeah. good feels, except for some of the serious episodes. What happy is Scrubs good feels now, Hulu? I don't even know anymore. Yeah, Although, exactly, I do that's know, the problem. I do know I that, um, on Netflix. Turk and JD are doing commercials now together, so that <laughs> is weird. Oh, yeah, I, I think Travolta, I saw some. With John Travolta. Yeah, I saw those. I, I saw those. Yeah. I don't know what's anyway. happening, but it is funny to see them together. They're also doing a podcast together. So that's fun. Anyway, folks, I think that's it. You can wrap it, Sherlyn. Well, that's it for the episode, everyone. Thank you, as always, for listening. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North. Our outro music is by our very own Terrence O'Brien. This podcast is produced by Ben Elm. You can find, Dev- you can find Devendra online at forgot me for a second there i'm at devendra on twitter i'm i'm at devendra at mastodon.social on mastodon i am at devendra on blue sky so find me if i'm posting these days i'm just like i'm cross-posting between these apps and this is a very <laughs> sad time this is a very sad time good in my for life. you yeah if you have your deepest cut windows 3.1 or windows 95 games you send them to me i am at sherlin low on twitter for now the or, project there you go yeah or or email me at shirleyandengadget.com you can also email us your thoughts at podcastandengadget.com leave us a review on iTunes because that'll help people discover this podcast and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform well good thing I don't give a crap about Peppa Pig